Welcome to Cyberbytes, the podcast. I'm your host, Brody, Senior Recruitment Consultant at Aspiron Search. In this week's guest, I'm excited to announce we've got Alex Mitchell from Fleet DM, where we are going to discuss his journey on how he got to a CRO position. Really stoked to have him on the podcast and uh, can't wait for you guys to have a listen. Welcome to the uh, to the podcast. How, uh, how, you, how you been? Hi, Brody. Thank you for having me. I'm uh, doing really well, thanks. Celebrated yeah. the uh, you know Fourth of July over here. Uh, you know, don't we don't need to get too deep into that. <laughs> Talking across the pond with you, but uh, you know, yeah, uh, yeah, getting back we're, into the swing of things, uh, geared up for Q3 here. Yeah, awesome. We we actually had the Fourth of July off as well because we we solely work the US, so we wouldn't want to be uh, cold calling you guys on a on a holiday day. That's awesome. <laughs> <laughs> but um, but yeah, no, thanks for for coming on the pod, Alex. Um, really keen to kind of get a story into like how people have got to their CRO position today. Um, I think there's a lot of um lost guidance in in the market at the moment so i'm speaking to a lot of sales reps and they're they're struggling to to kind of find that path to get them into sales leadership or or that cro position so yeah i mean really keen to to kind of hear kind of your your first role out of college and and kind of your 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 story there so over to you yeah thanks Rory. yeah it's uh mine's not necessarily as traditional a path uh and so hopefully this will be inspirational for uh, some folks that maybe are starting in kind of a technical uh world but uh, for those that are in kind of more of a classic uh, sales position i can kind of talk and relate to how i've moved from that into into leadership positions but yeah going back like you said uh, probably even a little bit earlier to uh high school uh, i was looking at uh you know whether i wanted to be i was pretty deep into music and math and science and uh I had to make a decision my senior year on whether to accept a, a full ride scholarship to the local university to uh, be a trombone performance major or to uh, go into engineering. And my uh, folks sat me down and said, you know, uh, you can choose whatever you want, but, you know, whatever you do, you can't come back and live with us when you graduate. And so <laughs> I started down that engineering path. Uh, but uh, in between high school and college, I went off to uh to the army for basic training was in the joined the army reserves here and uh you know while i was there i had to choose a major the summer before i had actually done an engineering camp where i built a fiber optic transmitter uh it was kind of sort of an electrical engineering project and i left that project going this is what i don't want to do and then uh, in the state of mind of being in basic training in the army when I had to make a decision by mail on what to major in, I read this description of electrical and computer engineering, and I thought, oh, that sounds great, completely forgetting what I had decided the, the summer before. So I kind of went down that path, uh, chose electrical and computer engineering. While I was there, I did several things outside of engineering. I, I kind of wrote and led uh, an engineering magazine publication. Uh, I worked on a school musical uh, so there, there are things that I did to kind of always kind of broaden out beyond just the math and science of engineering, uh, which kind of led me to think at that point, I really want to take this engineering as a base and then build on that in the business world. Uh, so I had started applying for an MBA uh, out of university, but then I decided uh, after talking to several of the top schools that you need to have some work experience first before going back to get that MBA. So my first role out of university then was uh, pretty technical, uh, went to work for Intel. And uh, at Intel, I was a product engineer where I worked on uh, the design and manufacturing of flash memory chips. 
wrote a lot of code uh, for three years, which again was another thing I had said I didn't want to do. But when it presented <laughs> itself, I ended up, you know, jumping into it fully. Uh, but a few years in, I decided to go ahead and follow that dream to go get the MBA. Uh, quit work, which is, uh, you know, 1995 at Intel was a hard time to leave. It was really uh, ramping fast and doing well. Uh, but I decided to go ahead and, and do that, go back and get an MBA full time. And uh, then from there, I went, what really led me into the sales world, uh, when I left the MBA, I joined Sprint, the phone company uh, yep. in Kansas City, which is uh, basically where I'm from. And the uh, the program rotated you through different roles and gave you a mentor. And my mentor was a guy that had run the Sprint sales uh, B2B division for 20 years. And he looked at my background and got to know me a little bit. And he said, you know, what you need to do before you get too far in your career is carry a bag. <laughs> get that yeah. perspective of, you know, it's more of an outside in perspective of the company you know, thinking from, you know, where that dollar is coming into the company versus where I had always been kind of inside the company thinking inside out. So that led me to uh, my first few months of a sales role uh, at Sprint, which then parlayed itself into one of the vendors that we had had uh, was ramping their sales team uh, in Austin, Texas. And uh, the company was called Broad Jump at that point, now as part of Nokia. But uh, wow. Yeah, they, uh, I called them to tell them, hey, I'm uh, leaving this position where I'm your customer. Uh, and they said, well, what are you doing? I'm, I said, I'm going to go into sales and get some experience wearing a bag. And well, then I thought you were absolutely insane. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Funny coincidence, we're building a sales team. So long story short, I uh, I picked up uh, the family, moved to, from Kansas City to Austin, Texas, and joined wow. uh, my first full-time sales role at Broad Jump in 2000. Wow. So you were you were really committed to literally go for this this kind of new kind of role, like new new settings. You pick up your family and, and move there essentially. So yeah, and yeah I was the a, hardest the bit first was... hundred employees. So it was a pretty early startup. But you know the the kind of mitigating factor I had on that risk was I knew it from a customer's perspective what the value proposition was of this software, and uh, I thought I could communicate that to others pretty well. Right that. Uh, you know, I'm not just trying to make something up. Like I'm actually sitting in the buyer's seat and then moving into a, a you know the other side of the of the aisle, if you will, to sell it. Uh, so you know that that to me, having a, a really core understanding of the value that it could bring to an organization, uh, helped me you know jump and take that risk to uh, to go into sales. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And and do you think that you you've always been like a a salesperson at heart or, or do you think it's just because of that kind of understanding the product that you you've been able to transition yeah that's a great question uh i think there there were definitely times through uh you know i had different you know back in school you know different leadership positions there was a, a junior achievement program for those that have heard of that where uh, you have a mock company okay. uh, so i was sort of in the leadership role uh helping sell uh, i think we're selling candles or something you know <laughs> Um, but, uh, that was kind of my first experience of actually selling things. Uh, mm -hmm. I did a bit of debate in, in high school, which, you know, helps you learn to speak and, and make arguments in front of people and make a case. Uh, I come from, uh, you know, family of lawyers. So, you know, sort of, you're always having to sell things, uh, mm -hmm. when, when your dad's a lawyer, um, so, <laughs> uh, you know, so I guess sort of, yeah, I had a little bit of salesman at heart, uh, but you know, the, the 
kind of you know uh, augmenting that kind of just desire to explain something to somebody uh having that kind of technical experience and background uh you know a love for math uh actually i think helped propel that right so when you're selling something in a b2b world uh it it really helps if you can especially if you have a technical buyer you can help them translate you know what what they're wanting to do with a product or solution into the business case for it in the organization right and so having that kind of love for numbers and then you know complementing that with an mba where i did learn how to do a proper business case uh you know that kind of thing uh it has really helped i think propel my sales career yeah awesome and that yeah. first sales role t tell me how did it how did it go for the first couple of years or so uh, it was very good. Um, yeah. So uh, the first year I had a quota, you know, there's actually a couple of couple of stories out of this. Um, uh, I'll start with, you know, when I had heard about sales from other positions, I had heard, you know, how it's up and down, right? It's just roller coasters of high and, highs and lows. And I thought, okay, whatever, you know, and you don't really understand that until you're in it, right? Uh, yeah. And I remember I started in May of 2000 on December 7th. I was pretty far along in our first big sale for this startup and we're trying to get it by the end of the year. Right. So it was, uh, you know, Pearl Harbor day, December 7th. Uh, I get a call from my customer saying my prospect saying, Hey, uh, we can't just single source this. We have to do a, you know, a, a pretty well thought out trial of the product if we're actually going to buy it. And I'm thinking, oh, no, there's no way that we're going to be able to get this done between December 7th and December 31st if we got to do a full-blown trial of this product. Uh, so I sat there for 45 minutes on the phone trying to convince them that they don't need to do this trial. They've done all this other checking it out, and I could not convince them. So by the time I hung up the phone 45 minutes later, I went to stand up, and I couldn't stand up. My back had locked up. Oh, no. Like a physical manifestation of that low of lows like i have just failed <laughs> and, oh, <no. laughs> and then uh you know long story short i went and put together i, I put on my project management hat and i built out a three-week project plan for us to test the hell out of this product and get them the data that they needed to go buy it and sure enough that we followed that plan to the t and uh, went and uh, closed the deal on December 28th. And uh, awesome. it, it made the company, uh, it made you know, my sales career uh, put me at, you know, we didn't even know as a company what kind of deal we could do. It put me at 1,600% of quota, which, oh, wow. uh, you know, at that point, as an early startup, there was a cap on commissions. Otherwise, I probably wouldn't be here. <laughs> so, <laughs> yeah, uh, you'd be you in know. Barbados or something. Yeah, nice. exactly. <laughs> so, uh, you know, so that, but that just, you know, from the lows to the highs in, in three weeks. And I'm like, okay, now I really understand what people meant about the highs and lows of sales. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. I mean, that's a, that's an awesome start to have to your sales career, though, that you, you really came in and you, you had this three week kind of timeline almost, and you, you almost kind of stuck to it. And you, you were resilient in the fact that you, you, you exceeded the plan, which is, uh, which is awesome. Yeah, thanks. Thanks. Yeah, wicked. And then, so going after that role uh, from Sprint, where, where did you go on, on to next? So yeah, I left Sprint to go to Broadjump and that was where this uh, that sales role was. I ended up sticking in that uh, sales role from 2000 to about 2012. Uh, so the nice. company was acquired. 
IPO'd, delisted, and acquired again. Oh, wow. <laughs> yeah. And I was there through that, uh, basically, as one of the salespeople. And there were several uh, points through that uh, 12 years where, yeah, I think at one point, a few years in, I did take a sales director role and I had three or four salespeople working for me. Um, but then when we merged with another company, you know, I had the opportunity to kind of go back into just being a salesperson, not a sales manager, kind of in that middle management uh, layer. Uh, and, you know, interestingly, for the for those 12, uh, those 12 years, I didn't really have the desire to move up through middle management into a leadership position. Uh, I did it when it was kind of it made sense for us for a, for a year or two. But, um, uh, you know, I realized that I could make more money with less headache being the sales guy on the ground. And so, you know, when I had different VP offers kind of come through, I basically turned them all down for a while. Um, oh, wow. Yeah. So, I, so even I when of, you, even when you went into that director kind of management role at first, yeah. were you still hands on carrying a bag yourself, or was it just purely supervising? Uh, it was. I've never really left a little bit of it hands on. Um, so I'm probably one of those sales leaders that you know when we do pipeline reviews, I think about uh, you know each sales deal, and I try to not be too far from what are the steps that have to happen to progress a deal. Um, so I think I was still involved, but but my job was uh, I didn't have any accounts that weren't you know on my team that my team owned. So I did have a pure you know sales uh, middle management role, um, but that's not really what I wanted to do. You know, yeah. I kind of felt like you know for people that that really really want to get up into sales leadership, then you could probably do it faster than I did uh, by moving into those middle management roles. But they're very different, right? It's you it's you have to be really good at passing information up and down the chain. Right. Yeah. That's, kind of, that's kind of what you're doing. You're taking what's happening with your reps and you're uh, communicating that up into a forecast or up into, you know, status for for leadership. Uh, and then when leadership says, hey, we have a new strategy, then you're helping kind of pass that down. <clears throat> now, for those that really like kind of that first level leadership type role, that it is pretty cool to be in that kind of position where you're coaching. Right. You turn from the player into the coach. And as that coach, you know, if you really love helping people achieve their dreams, uh, then I think you can do that with, you know, being a middle manager of three to eight different reps, you know, and, and uh, I know a lot of people that suits them, suits them very well, may, may suit them better than being the salesperson on the ground, or even the leader of the organization. Um, so, you know, there's a lot of people kind of get their thrill, if you will, from, you know, helping others uh, achieve and setting those goals with them. And, you know, and also on the other side of it, you know, correcting them when there are problems, right? Um, so that's not always the fun part of the job, but that's part of the coaching, right? So, uh, so there is, that, that is a good position for some people. Just for me though, you know, personally, I prefer either being the guy on the ground that's, you know, I'm going to go cut the deal or the guy leading, uh, at mm. the very top. And what do you think the key kind of point, that pivotal position to, to realize that you, you, you enjoyed being an IC? Uh, the commissions didn't didn't hurt, <laughs> you know. <laughs> I mean, if you're doing sixteen hundred percent of quota, I mean, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. The uh, part of my calculation in in leaving a comfortable sprint job into going to a startup was, you know, hey, I'm going to have this equity, right? And this equity is going to become this thing. I didn't really think about, oh, actually, I can make some some good money on commissions. Uh, so uh, that helps, you know. And uh, but the other side of it is. Yeah, you're kind of running your own your own organization when you're at that level, right? You are the way I like to think of it is being the CEO of these deals, right? And even though I don't have people kind of working for me directly, 
you've got, if you're doing your job well, and I've said this a lot through my career, oftentimes good selling involves 50% selling externally and 50% selling internally, right? So if you're doing a good job of selling internally, then you've got the organization behind you that you're leading, right? You're, you're pulling in people from all these, from marketing, from product, from engineering, from services, and you're, you're orchestrating you know, a little business, right? And how am I going to generate X amount of revenue in this business? Uh, so I like that aspect of it. Yeah, awesome. Awesome. And um, yeah, I mean, tell me about your first kind of role in, in security. So obviously, you've done a lot of tech um, kind of product yeah. and then into, into sales. So what, why did you kind of make that pivot into to security? Yeah, so I landed at Fleet Device Management here just a little over a year ago, which is really my first uh, foray into security. Uh, I did have experience in that previous job I talked about at Broadjump. We were selling software into uh, the phone companies and cable companies. It started with helping expand broadband, but then it got a little bit into wireless as well. Um, and we ended up having a product for device management, managing first broadband equipment remotely, and then okay. managing mobile equipment, uh, mobile devices. So uh, I had some experience with software that, that was in the device management space, which is really the name, Fleet Device Management, what Fleet was founded to do. But it, Fleet is built on top of an open source project called OS Query, which has really been used for the last nine years or so in the security space to provide visibility into your uh, all your endpoints, uh, whether they are laptops or servers uh, and provide, basically you can provide security posture, you can do detection, you can do uh, response, incident response. Uh, so I, I really got into security, um, that side of it, just when I got here a little over a year ago. Yeah, a little, bit, a little bit interesting story there. I've known the CEO, Mike McNeil here at Fleet for about 10-ish uh, years. Um, that company that I left after 12 years, that was Broad Jump, then became part of Alcatel Lucent. It became Motive, then Alcatel Lucent, now Nokia. Um, <laughs> when it was Alcatel Lucent, uh, I left with two other guys to start my own company. Uh, that was around 2012. So in 2012, we started a company that we ended up getting uh, Series A funding from Silverton Partners in, in Austin and Live Oak Ventures in Austin. We started it in Austin um, while I lived in Kansas City and the two other guys lived in Austin. I went back and forth. Um, that uh, company, one of our suppliers uh, was a front-end design and development firm called Balderdash, which Mike McNeil ran. So Mike and I had some experience uh, together 10 years ago. Um, I would have been the first salesperson at Fleet uh, two and a half years ago, uh, but Mike called me a week after I had accepted another job uh, <laughs> and he got his seed funding. And so we agreed, hey, this security thing based on an open source project, you know, to get into device management sounds really cool, um, but uh, I've just accepted this other job. Let's talk down the road and see how things, how things look. So a year and a half later, he had gotten his first 15 customers, big brand names you can see on the Fleet DM uh, website. Uh, we, uh, they had closed a Series A of 20 million from CRV, a great venture capital firm out of the Bay Area, and um, then was ready to grow the sales team. And he called me again a year and a half later, and the time worked out better. Um, you know, he's well funded. He's you know shown traction. Uh, it was a hard thing to turn down at that point. So yeah, I can imagine, but. Um... What works out in the end, right? Yeah. 
So, yeah. so since being on board with Fleet DM, obviously you, you've said they've had like successful funding and what, what have you kind of been brought on to do? Have you been scaling a sales team from scratch or what does it look like? Yeah, having joined just a little over a year ago, the plan was to start scaling pretty quickly. I mean, again, okay. great brand name customers. <clears throat> We're just, uh, you know, just getting the revenue, the ARR number uh, ramping. Um, I was going to start scaling the team. <clears throat> and then the macroeconomic climate changed, right? And what was, you know, maybe a two-year plan became a three-year plan. Let's stretch this money out. So uh, we we took a little bit longer to start ramping the team. So I kind of basically started in as a player coach. Uh, There's one other person here at the time in sales. Uh, so we just kind of partnered up and, uh, you know, continued to grow the business, bring in new customers. Um, I, I also, as CRO, looked over and I'm looking over customer success. So we brought in a customer success leader that I'd known from a few years uh, prior that uh, is really good with startups and building uh, a good customer success motion. Um, so I was kind of looking after that as well. Uh, yeah, in, in terms of kind of your your advice to to younger people that would love to to kind of get to your shoes one day, what what would you what would you kind of advise? Yeah, I think there's a, a couple things. One, I would, you know, I would not uh, discount knowing the technology. There's a lot of salespeople that become dependent on their SEs. You know, they'll bring them in and, and uh, you know, from day one, they'll start having every technical discussion go through the SE, which in a way is good to have a team selling motion like that. But don't shy away from the technology. Actually, go invest in your own uh, learning of the technology. I think that'll help you in the end. The, in the beginning of a relationship with a prospect, they're not necessarily going to believe the salesperson because, you know, they can, they know when a salesperson's lying. I don't know, Brody, do you know how to tell when a, a <laughs> yeah. salesperson's lying? Right? Their, their lips yeah. are moving, right? Yeah, whenever, they're, they're so, yeah exactly. Yeah, so whenever their lips moving at all, right? You just, <laughs> when they're talking, they, you know, so there's just this built in disbelief. Uh, so, but you can overcome that, right? Just through the nation, uh, the relationship building that you're doing and, and being able to kind of make a point or two here. Uh, about the technology. So don't don't shy away from that. Dive into it. Lean into learning the technologies, number one. Number two, it took me a while to figure out why I was being successful uh, when I was carrying a bag. And uh, finally, after reading several books, uh, you know, I landed on the Challenger sale. And I'm like, aha, somebody finally helped me figure out what I'm doing that's working, right? And uh, that, that model of the Challenger you know, you you need to invest in understanding trends in the market and try to stay ahead of your prospects, right? Basically, the punchline of that book uh, is, you know, the challenger delivers value during the sale to the prospect, right? And they do that by saying, hey, you're doing things this way. Let's look at if you did it a different way, what kind of value would that bring to, to you and to the organization, right? And continue to challenge the status quo. So... That's uh, that's one kind of recommendation is dive into something like that so you can kind of get some ideas on what you need to do to be successful. Uh, and there's some other thing, other books that I'd recommend uh, people to get into this uh, this role. One is uh, a new one by some uh, folks here in Kansas City called Go Big or Go Home, written by Diana Kander and Tucker Trotter uh, here in Kansas City. Uh, when I think back about some of the big deals that we've done, it was really about creating this big demo, this big experience for the prospect. Uh, one we call it back in the Bush two era, the shock and awe demo. So we went into a prospects uh, conference room. It was in the device management world. They were wondering, could we manage multiple devices in their broadband network? 
And so we brought 30 some different models and, and makes of these different modems and put them all in the conference room and just had this concept of when you walk in, you're just going to be blown away by just the sheer number of devices on the table. Um, so no, yeah, that's, that's awesome. That's wicked. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> so, so go big or go home. Right. I love that concept. Uh, and then uh, the third is as you get into the sales leadership roles, um, the qualified sales leader by John McMahon, um, it, it kind of walks through basically using medic to qualify deals. It talks about coaching reps. It talks about numbers um, and and uh, just things to do to manage a pipeline versus manage individual deals. Um, so I, I, I uh, whether you listen to them on audio or uh, or read them, you know, I recommend uh, you know powering yourself up with with some of that content. Yeah, absolutely. I might even have a, a check out of those. But um, no, some great advice there, there Alex. And um, yeah, um, been brilliant to have you on the pod. And um, yeah, looking forward to to seeing your success at uh, Fleet DM. Yeah, thanks, Brody. Yeah, we're uh, excited about continuing to make security more open and, uh, you know, accessible. And and then as we're now moving into the device management space, which was kind of the original purpose of the company, uh, you know, giving people a, a better option than the industry leaders for managing their laptops, really either Mac or, or Windows and eventually Linux, uh, you know, giving a better platform for people to be able to be flexible and open and API driven and GitOps driven and how they do IT management of devices. Yeah, awesome. Oh, yeah. Wicked stuff. Well, um, yeah, pleasure pleasure speaking to you, Alex. And um, yeah, we'll uh, we'll catch up soon. Likewise, Rudy. Take care.